Today's episode is brought to you by Proven Recruiting. As an agency, Proven has helped thousands of technology professionals find new opportunities at exciting companies across the United States. They focus on the quality over quantity approach in terms of building lasting relationships with both their candidates and clients. Today's episode is also brought to you by Golden Squirrel. Ensure the salary and benefits you are looking for in your next role match before your next interview. Create a free profile today at goldensquirrel.io to get access to member-only employer data as well as unlock the opportunity for companies to apply to you. On today's episode, Kelly and I chat with Ryan Eldridge, who is the VP of Engineering at Romley, an outdoorsy company. We review the overwhelming demand in the RV market and his approach to building a team, as well as his thoughts on hiring and the tech stack they are currently looking for to join their team. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Chasing Squirrels. On today's episode, we have Ryan Eldridge, who is the VP of Engineering at Romley, which is an outdoorsy company. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm good. Thanks. How are you guys? Pretty good. Also, we have Kelly Feast from Proven Recruiting. I'm doing good. <laughs> awesome. So uh, from a high level, can you kind of give us an idea of what it is that uh, Romley slash Outdoorsy um, is currently working on for their customers? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> uh, different but related things. So Outdoorsy, uh, the you know peer-to-peer rental uh RV rental marketplace is working on, um, you know, lots of things in that space to make, you know, the rental experience uh, more seamless, uh, checkout process more seamless, um, adding features that are requested by uh, individuals working around trust and safety. Um, Romely is uh, very specifically focused on just the insurance side of the business. So, um, you know, marketplaces that do things uh, where folks rent auto like automobiles we need to think about the insurance space so um romely is building uh what we call our flagship product which is a insurance product for owners of rvs that want to be able to list them legally on marketplaces which is a little bit of a challenge in the insurance space which i won't bore you with the details of that so was romely kind of spun out due to the fact that that was a problem with the outdoorsy platform or how did that come about uh, you nailed it, right? So um, <clears throat> it's a problem that kind of crept up in the early days. And the, the way we've solved uh, up till now is we've worked with some pretty large partners, well-known insurers like Allstate, uh, Liberty Mutual, Safeco. Um, <clears throat> and we've worked with them over the years to help them kind of better understand the RV um, culture and, and uh, I guess, space. Um, <clears throat> and they've created some policies that allow people to do this, but they're still fairly punitive and, and a little bit restrictive. Uh, <clears throat> and so we, we think that, you know, we're going to, we're, we're confident that we can provide a better product because the, at our core, we're kind of RV focused folks, right. And we understand that culture and the value and, um, well, the value that people, you know, kind of equate to their, their, uh, RV. Um, <clears throat> and we think we understand their needs better and we're, and we're more aligned with servicing their needs, but most specifically, you know, we, we aim to allow them to take a depreciating asset and, and monetize it. Right. And that really the goal of our product from on the insurance side is allow them to take, you know, something that, that costs a significant amount of money, um, <clears throat> and be able to monetize it legally without having to 
be concerned, you know, that their insurance company is going to drop them if something happens. So, um, so that's our focus right now. We also have other insurance products that we sell um, and have built, uh, but that's like very insurancey stuff. I don't know how interesting that is to you. <laughs> no worries. We can dive into it maybe <laughs> in just a minute. I'm curious on the RV space because that's a little more fun, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so pretty much everyone I know, including myself, has talked about getting an RV at some point over the last like 18 months or so. And so you guys had to have, when did you guys start? And essentially, you know, how has your business taken off in the last 12 months? Cause I'm assuming it has to have. Um, so I think 2015 or 2015 or 16, uh, I should probably look that up or know it off the top of my head is when things got started. Um, I would love to quote you actual numbers, but I don't know them. And I feel like that would be weird if people looked them up and they were wrong. But I can just tell you that uh, last year was a hockey stick. Like if you've ever seen a graph that has a hockey stick in it, that was last year for us, right? I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we just saw like a drop off. Everything was canceling, right? And about like a month and a half after that, it just skyrocketed because people kind of got through the initial shock and, and, and panic of it. And they said, well, I still want to be able to do something this summer. Right. And what, what's safe to do and what's safe to do is rent an RV and go to a national park or a state park or, or, you know, a campground. And um, people absolutely loved it and did it. And um, what we're seeing is, you know, it opened people's eye eyes to a different type of travel and a different type of vacationing. Um, and, you know, do I think that people will never get on a plane again? Absolutely not. Right. Like, but, but do I think people will forget about the um, <clears throat> experience they had? No way. Right. Like I think people will, will start to travel uh, or vacation like this on a more regular basis um, just because it is, it is kind of freeing in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, without going too deep into some stuff, like I think a lot of people are <clears throat> um, a little bit nervous about like renting these like very large Definitely. vehicles and they're like, I don't know how to drive like, you know, a 32 foot or a 40 foot RV. Um, and so that that's a little bit challenging for folks. Uh, but there's but I I urge people to still explore the opportunity because. Um, there are a lot of uh, our listers, right, that will drop the vehicle off for you and pick it up. So like you can have it delivered to your campsite and hooked up to electric and water. And then when you're done and you just drive in with your car parking next to it, you're good to go. And then when you're done, they'll come pick it up and you don't have to do anything, right? It's like a white glove service. And and um, that is very appealing to someone like me because I don't want to get in, you know, like the 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 driving of it and, you know, figuring all that stuff out doesn't seem as attractive as just being able to go to campground and do that. So there's definitely a learning curve there with uh, setting it all up and knowing, especially the first time to get people hooked into, into that life. I was just going to say, we have like, uh, that's one other thing because we've, we've seen that problem many times. We have a lot of content um, on our site, videos and, and like, you know, pros that have, that have created content um, with us to help people figure out, you know, all of the, these aspects of it. But uh, I know that, you know, a, a coworker of mine <clears throat> just, uh, he joined not too long ago and um, he just took his first trip and he did the delivery and the pickup. And he was like, it was amazing. Like, it was amazing. So. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Plus, you're really de-risking the purchase of the people that did buy these uh, and thought, oh, I really want the RV life. And maybe it wasn't for them permanently, but they still wanted to have it. So you're kind of de-risking that purchase for them. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's that's another good point. Um, you're not directly asking this, but people will start thinking about this. The, the van life movement, right, is like is picking up an enormous amount of speed. And as a matter um, as a matter of fact, uh, that is a super difficult challenge on the insurance side when you when folks buy these vans and then they do custom build outs and then they want somebody to insure them. Um, you go to your traditional auto insurer and they're like, yeah, that's not really it. You, you can live in it. It's not a car. Right. And then you go to you ask them about RV insurance. They're like, yeah, it's not quite an RV either. Right. And so you, you have this challenge um, <clears throat> and it gets really tricky with like the custom build outs and the value of the vehicle and stuff like that. And our policy is focused, our insurance product that we're building is focused on solving for that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really looking at this across the board is like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, we say RVs, but or I say RVs, but I'm putting a lot into that category, right? It's more of like, you know, how can we help you with outdoor travel vehicles, right? Like even overland vehicles and things of that nature. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So kind of want to take a step back and go through some of your engineering journey. And so and what ultimately sure. brought you to uh, to Romley. And so if you uh-huh. want to start from one of your first uh, roles and kind of take us through, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, right out of the gate, I uh, after college, I got a job at a very large consulting firm that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was like acquired, I think a couple of times, uh, <clears throat> interesting experience, uh, totally different than the life I've been living for the last decade or so. Uh, but you know, good experience in and of itself, uh, you know, working as like a consulting engineer, um, with different clients traveling a little bit, um, that seemed very attractive until you actually start doing it and you're flying back and forth from Arizona every week for 12 months. And you're like, this isn't as cool as it, sounded. Um, right. So, uh, so I did that. I, I met a lot of interesting people, um, got a lot of exposure to different aspects of, of, of like how projects and businesses run. Um, but very much like a cog, which was fine. Um, you have to learn somewhere uh, and, you know, built some things that I'm still very, very proud of. Uh, I still have uh, some close contacts at the, at the first client I worked at out of college. And I, uh, I built this, well, they had purchased this piece of software to, um, to basically, it was a a health insurance company. And they, every time you go to the doctor or whatever, in different States, you have, you get like an explanation of benefits letter and all these like correspondence that they have to send you legally. Um, so they bought this piece of software to do this and it was like total garbage. And I was, you know, a kid, I didn't really know anything, but I, what I did know was there had to be a better way. So I, you know, I spent some nights and weekends, like trying to figure out a better way and like hacking up some solutions. I came, I came up with a, with a free open, there was an open source piece of software that would allow us to do this with, um, you know, the ability to build some of the system ourselves. And I kind of pitched it to a mentor of mine. And then he pitched it to, um, you know, the CTO, uh, or we pitched it to the CTO and that, that thing still runs like 20 years later, (laughs) still runs all of the freaking explanation of benefits stuff that comes out of that, you know, all of the correspondence. So, um, and I am actually now a, a member, like I, I am insured by that health plan. So every time I get a letter, 
I did this. <laughs> you are the you're the most excited person in the world to receive that form. I love them. I love them. So I look at the barcodes and I'm like, oh, they changed this, right? Because I have to figure all this stuff out. So, um, you know, so I did that like uh, consulting stuff for a little while, and then uh, got kind of, uh, I guess, like I would say, bored of that. Uh, dipped my toe in the financial uh, in the financial world um, on the software side. That was that was pretty rough too, just because it's it, it's slow moving. Um, <clears throat> but I had a very good friend of mine um, who worked at a startup um, that was ultimately acquired by Apple um, and and became what you know as IAD. Um, but when they were like little, uh, you know, startup in in the Boston area, they didn't have any mobile developers. And my buddy was like, "Hey, we're trying to build this like SDK for." Um, you know, for iOS, for Android and, you know, some Java, like, can you just like, you know, like play around with this? And like, uh, and I was like, yeah. So like I started, you know, uh, this is pre having kids. I would like hack it up in my basement at night, you know, till like two in the morning. <laughs> um, and I would just, uh, I just started like playing around with these mobile, um, you know, application development frameworks. And uh, so I kind of got into it and I started to build my own mobile apps just for fun. Uh, and um I parlayed that into like getting a consulting gig for this like startup. And then that kind of, that, that transitioned me into like the startup world. And then I, I spent time at a startup that was acquired by Intuit and I spent a little time at Intuit. And then I went to Metro mile and I spent like seven years at Metro mile building insurance product, mobile product, um, <clears throat> all sorts of, uh, like everything. I think it was like employee number 30 there. Um, what does Metro mile do? Uh, they sell car insurance by the mile. Um, so they have a, like, they have a device that goes in the car and, um, and you pay like a small flat base rate every month. And then you pay how much you drive. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, if you don't spend a lot of time looking at car insurance uh, industry stuff, but in the, <laughs> in the mid stage of the pandemic, um, there was all this chatter about car insurance companies having to give money back. Right. Because they were like, you're collecting all this insurance and no one is driving. And, you know, state governments were like, you have to give them refunds. And it turns out, you know, companies like Metrobot were like, we do, this is just what they do. Right. You know, you don't drive, you don't pay. So it's, it's really interesting because like, you don't drive, you don't pay. That's not great. Like from a business model perspective, but also you don't drive, there's no claims. Right. So anyway, um, so I spent seven years there. They IPO'd in uh, February and um, you know, it was an amazing seven years. I, I, uh, it was a little bit longer than that. I, I did a lot of really interesting things, built a, a ton of really um, fun, interesting software on mobile platforms and, and wherever, and, you know, backend and web and things of that nature. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I want to, I want to see something new. I want to, I want to kind of work with, some different people see how different businesses are run, things of that nature, different leadership styles. Um, so I had uh, met Jeff Cavins um, the April uh, right, right before the pandemic hit and he and I had chatted and we just kind of kept in touch. And Jeff is the CEO and co-founder of uh, Outdoorsy and they reached back out and it just seemed like the right time. So I, um, cause they were really ramping up the stuff on, um, on the Romley side. Uh, so I joined and uh, have been building out a team, not just on, you know, the, the, the tech side of things, but like 
you know, Romley started really small and, um, you know, we're growing and we're, we're hiring, you know, throughout the entire org of Romley. Like I don't necessarily have anything to do with all of those different things, but we're adding people. It's exciting. We're getting a lot of new energy. Uh, There's some growing pains associated with that, you know, like uh, when you add new people to the mix of anything, it it can always get a little complicated, but, uh, but it's fun. And the team is, you know, jazzed and we're excited about what we're doing. So, um, so it's interesting. Which part gets complicated? Uh, so like you take people that uh, come from all different organizations, right? That have all different kinds of experiences um, and, you know, like tiny little startups to AWS, like, um, or, you know, I have folks that came from, you know, large companies like, uh, you know, CVS or, um, <clears throat> uh, or Apple. And uh, then you're like, hey, work together. And they're like, yeah. So like, this is how I did it over here. Now I did it like this over here. And we're like, what do we do? Right. So we have to figure all that stuff out. Right. And, and that's just part of the forming, you know, process of any new team. So, um, and it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's challenging, like in a negative way, it's challenging. And like, a, a, if you like that part of, you know, organizing people, uh, which I, I guess I do, cause that's kind of what I do for a living. Um, <clears throat> then, it becomes interesting and fun. Um, if you don't like that, you shouldn't lead people. <laughs> okay. So I want to circle back real quick in the, so you said you were making uh, mobile apps mainly on Android and you started yeah. making a few on your own outside of uh, what you had for work. So mm-hmm. what were, what were some uh, ones that either you thought were good and the market thought was bad or the market thought was good and you thought were good, or do you have any good, uh, I'm curious of some of the apps that were your favorite that you built. Oh man. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't have massive success uh, <laughs> uh, with, with these things. Although I will tell you this little quick story and then I'll tell you a story about like, you know, kind of more one that I thought was a great idea. And, you know, I don't know if I put enough effort into it, but um, I did build like in the very early days of Android, if you had a contact in your phone, you had no way to send it to somebody else right? There was not built into the platform. Like, I think it's called like a V card, but but like, you know, I'm sure on an iPhone, I still have Android devices. Um, but there's very easy ways to share con contacts. Now there wasn't back in the day. So I built this thing to just read your contact. Um, and you could just like check the one you wanted to send and you could like email it to somebody. Right. And I put this on the, in the market. I don't know. I think maybe I charged a buck for it or something like that. And, uh, and it did well enough and it had enough downloads and enough, uh, like in in a four-star rating that one night I get this like email, right. From a Google address and it has a spreadsheet in it. And I'm like, this is just so weird. Right. Like, but I was like, whatever, I'll open it, you know? Um, and it was like, it, I just like put my name in it and I got a free device, right. From Google because they were basically like sending this to like this shared sheet to like uh, the developers that had um, an app with a certain amount of downloads that was four stars or better. And then like, you know, a month later I got like the Nexus one phone, right. Uh, We're talking a while ago now um, for free. (laughs) And I was like, this is insane. Um, So that was cool. Uh, Something that didn't go well. Like I have this really good idea um, in my mind of, you know, in the early days of mobile, there was, uh, you know, geolocation stuff was like, like, I don't know if you remember this company, like maybe it was called like looped or loop or something. Yeah. I remember looped. Yeah. Where yeah you yeah. like sign in at every company or whatever. 
Yeah, you know, and, and like, uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Foursquare? Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm like really dating myself right now in the fact hey, that I Hey, I know all of them. Like, you so. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> my memory recall is not great. Um, so <clears throat> I had this really great idea that like you could, you could use geolocation and kind of like tracking to target ads to people in real time, right? And so I started to build something um, around this and, you know, I never built out the business side of it, but like I had, and I was like, you know, it's, it's like, it was more work than I had time for. And it's really like kind of a massive platform, but had I stuck with it, then there are like plenty of examples of massive success around this. Um, I just had the idea a long time ago and, and, uh, I didn't, I didn't put enough oomph behind it, I suppose. So would um, you see the ads while you were walking or driving? The idea here was that you would, um, I mean, this was long before you could detect walking or driving uh, on a device, right? Like, I mean, that's relatively modern compared to what I'm talking about. I was thinking more along the lines of if you're, you know, like you, you could figure out the kinds of things you like, right? And then if you're near a place, they could be like, hey, we're having a, you know, a happy hour or whatever, right? And just kind of like hit you with that. So you don't have to be on the lookout for these things, right? You can find out that like, on the other end of the block that you can't see, there's a bar having a happy hour or somebody's got two for ones and, and you're like, great, I'll walk around hey, the corner. Ryan, have you ever heard of the company Verve Mobile? No. It's exactly what they do. Yeah. And their previous head of engineering was our guest a few weeks ago. So I'll send you the link. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, so, so in turn, I think what they're doing is brilliant. <laughs> I mean, in yeah. fairness, they are a humongous company. So it was a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So, um, so that's something that I just didn't follow through on. <laughs> um, sounds like it was a lot more work than I had, I had planned. Um, of all your experience, where did you kind of learn a lot of the leadership lessons? And like, I know a lot of like VP of engineers always say like coding's easy. It's the people problems that are a little bit more challenging. And so where was it you learned a lot of your uh, leadership and people solving problems? Skills? Yeah. Uh, so whoever said that is spot on, like, you know, computer, I actually just had this conversation with um, somebody on my team today. I said, computers just do what you tell them to do. If you tell them to do the wrong thing, they do the wrong thing, right? Human beings are really challenging, right? You know what I mean? So um, uh, where, you know, a lot at Intuit um, and, you know, a lot at, uh, at Metro Mile too, um, and a lot of it at Metro Mile was having like really great mentors, um, but also just, you know, doing, you know, I, there was a lot of things that I did at Metro Mile um, that were not like necessarily part of my, you know, like core responsibilities, but like I wanted them to happen. So I did them. And then in turn, um, I kind of owned them. And at times that felt like a terrible decision and other times it felt like a great decision. So an example of that is like when I joined uh, Metro Mile, we had a small office in San Francisco and I lived in Boston and uh, I did not want to move. And so I was just going to work remotely, but then I was like, we should open a Boston office. And uh, the CEO who who I've known for a long time was like, yeah, you should, you should do that. And I was like, oh man, so like, no, I got to do this. And like, when I mean, I got to do this, like I'm like looking at real estate and like, I, I like got the space and then I drove to Ikea and bought a bunch of desks and put them together. And I was like, this is less cool than I thought it would be. But, um, but it worked out really well because um, 
you know, when I left, there was like, let's call it 30, 30 people in that office. And I hired most of them, um, you know, and I dealt with all of the things from like, who's going to order snacks and like what snacks do people like and having to like deal with the frustration of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, as well as, you know, like, uh, attrition and, and those kinds of things, uh, moving spaces, building out new spaces, uh, you know, TVs get delivered and, you know, they're just sitting on the ground and I'm like, how do they get on the wall? Well, like, I guess I'll have to like deal with that. You know what I mean? Um, so I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the leadership experience I got was by putting myself in these situations that I didn't necessarily know that I was putting myself into. And I just kind of landed in them and I was like, we'll just figure it out. Right. Um, and I, I would also say that like, I, I learned a lot from, um, <clears throat> you know, being an engineer for a long time and, and really sticking deep in my memory bank, the things that I thought sucked and then trying just not to be, you know, trying not to repeat that same process, right? Um, uh, as I, you know, graduated into different, you know, different abilities to influence situations. Um, so, you know, across those two spaces, I mean, Intuits was like a little bit more formal, you know what I mean? Like, you, have sure. to, you know, coaching and, and there, that stuff is great. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't replace that, but also the just, like trial by fire, just like learning, right. By doing, uh, has, has, I think, you know, really been good. So what are one of the, one or two of the thing, things that were terrible for you as an engineer that you were like, when I'm in charge, I'm definitely fixing these one or two things. Yeah. Like, of course you were going to ask that question. Like I said, it was it, too easy like, of a setup. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> I hate myself for even saying it. Cause like I now I'm on the spot for like having to remember that or say something <laughs> that like somebody will be like, Oh, I know who he's talking about. Um, <clears throat> no. So I think um, this is going to be, this will, this will sound a little bit like um, an easy one or a softball one, but like, I think transparency, but like truthful transparency, right? Like, like I'm brutally, honest, um, about all things. And, uh, sometimes I feel like, um, honesty can, can be, um, uh, interpreted as, as maybe not being, um, not being nice, but I don't think that those things are the same. I think being honest is like oftentimes hearing something that you don't want to hear doesn't mean somebody's being mean to you. Right. They're just telling you the truth, right. Or their perspective on the truth. Um, so, and I always, I always felt really frustrated when I felt like I was being paid lip service on something. So I just said, listen, it's just like way easier just to tell people exactly like what's going on and like kind of, you know, and, and just like, here's all the facts that I can like legally share with you or like within the guidelines I have within the company and like, and just this, this is, these are the facts, right? Do with them what you want. Right. But there's no point in like, trying to spin them so that they make you feel one way or the other, because frankly, I don't know how you feel. Um, so that's one thing. <clears throat> um, and then I think uh, another one, which I'm absolutely failing at right now, as a matter of fact, and it bothers me every day uh, <clears throat> is like, I always was frustrated with like, you know, as, as folks graduated through the engineering kind of leadership path, they lost touch with like, what was reality with like kind of boots on the ground, you know? And I, I would just remember having these conversations where like folks would like ask a question that like, I'm not saying it was like a, a dumb question, but it was like an out of touch question from a solution perspective. And 
Um, I always aimed to be uh, still in touch. Um, and I, and I would say I did a very good job of that up until like right now. And I'm committing to myself to, to get better at that. Right. And it's just, there's, there's a lot of things pulling me in different directions right now, but like, um, I think, I think engineers, like, I think anybody values, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you have an opinion on something, right, you have to be able to prove that you like understand why, um, or, or how in this case. So yeah. And don't you think half the battle is knowing what you don't know or being Definitely. consciously incompetent versus unconscious. You know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, yeah, it's like, you kind of got to know where your, where your, um, where your, you know, knowledge stops and then you got to, you know, trust people to make the best decision, um, in, in those spaces where you can't. So. Yeah. And I think you, you exhibit that in your interview process from what I've seen so far is that people are given a chance to demonstrate their abilities. And then you kind of want to trust and lean on that. You don't want to be the smartest one in the room. You don't want to be the one doing all the work you want people to own and thrive and probably have the same experience you mentioned of like taking the lead and running with some things and, and really getting to own stuff for what they can do. Yeah. And, and I don't think that, you know, uh, within this industry, we talk so much about, um, growth, right. And everybody wants to provide everybody with growth and there's like many ways to do that, but there's no better way to do that than give somebody ownership. Right. Um, and so I, I really try to do it. You know, not everybody can own, you know, like it depends on all of the things that you have going on, but like you really try to give people like something that they can, um, truly deeply engage with, be proud of, right. Um, have some interest in and when, and, and be able to like, you know, celebrate that success as a, as a team, but also like individuals need to be able to celebrate success as well. Right. Like I did this, right. You didn't do it alone, but like you had a major role in that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's something I look for when I'm, when I'm hiring folks is, uh, you know, skills are, are certainly important, but like aptitude and drive make up for a lot. Right. Like I, I really, I tell people all the time, like if somebody asks you to re-implement a hash map, like we're asking you the wrong question. Cause if you're doing that here, you're not doing the job we need you to do. Right. Like we don't need to do that. It's been done. It's been optimized. Right. And there's not a use case for the business that we're building where that probably plays a significant role. So I don't know why I care if you know how to do that. Right? <laughs> well, I think you know, I, I the interview questions probably reflect that as well. Like, we want to talk about real live valid scenarios. It's not all this hypothetical, not to say algorithmic stuff isn't important, but I think you apply a much more like, Hey, here's something that we solved last week. How would you have approached it? Absolutely. And I tell the team that like, you know, and I don't actually even have to tell them this is uh, and this is what happens when you kind of hire folks that, that have same values as you um, is that it's not like a directional thing that like you should, do this kind of thing. You know, when we talk about interviewing um, the the folks that do it, we, we have a Slack channel and we have a notion document and we just like, Hey, these are the kinds of things I'm going to cover. And these are a few of the questions that I ask. Right. Um, but really what we try to do is exercises with individuals, right? There's a few companies that frankly, absolutely have nailed some of the hiring. Pra- I mean, there's a lot of people that are really good at this. Let's just be honest. Um, but from experiences that I've seen and, and heard about, there are a few, like I know Square does it and, and um, a company by Pivotal Labs. I don't know if you know who they, they are, but um, Pivotal Labs does extreme programming. So everything is paired programming. 
So your interview process is you go in for one day, right? And you pair and you work on a project and they pay you. They pay you for that day because effectively all that matters during the interview process is like, can I work with this person? Right. You know, do you have enough aptitude, enough knowledge to be able to do something? And do I want to sit next to you all day? Yeah. Do I want to be stuck in, in a room with you on a Saturday afternoon when something's going wrong? That's what yeah. you're trying to figure out. You know what your um, example just reminded me is like when you're trying on clothes, it's like, why am I trying to judge it from the website? Why am I trying to check the size chart? Just put the thing on. It's the same thing that you're saying is like, let's just talk to the person and actually get to know them. I think um, that's really great to hear. And it it plays to your comment earlier about transparency is you just want to understand the person as best you can and and really get a good picture. And um, I know you guys don't do the the on-site interviews, but I think the conversational approach that I've heard your team members take um, kind of allows for that same um, um, experience. Yeah. I mean, like I, I will tell candidates when I talk to them, like, you know, I'm going to give you as much information as you need, but you need to ask me as many questions as you have. And if we need more time, that's fine. Cause I said, this is a two way street. You are evaluating us as much as we are evaluating you. Right. Um, and you should figure out if this is where you want to work or these people you want to spend time with, because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. Right. Um, and, you know, I don't want people to join who like if 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 they don't think it's going to be the right space, the right place for them. So um, <clears throat> so I, I very much uh, think that it has to be the beginning of a relationship and that relationship should be um, thought about as a long term relationship. Right. Um, we have plenty of uh, folks that, you know, the best kind of uh, employee you can get is referral. Um, because you already know that like somebody you work with and trust, trusts this person. So yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, so, you know, it would try to do that, but I, I, real quick on this topic, um, I had a conversation with a candidate a couple weeks ago and the candidate was like, couldn't quite grasp at the beginning that I wanted to talk to him about nothing technical, Right. I just wanted to have a conversation about what he was looking for and like fill him in on the business and kind of the team and what we're, what we're working for and why we think it's valuable. And it was not, he was like, it was almost like uncomfortable for him. He was like, I don't, I don't know how to, and I was like, hey, dude, you should just like talk to people before you like invest three to five hours of your time getting, you know, not grilled, but like, you know, the technical part of interviews is always, is always stressful, right? Like you should spend 30 minutes figuring out if you want to do that, not just throw yourself into the fire every time. So um, anyway, I think that's a, I think that's an important piece of the process. Yeah, And anyone listening in is probably so happy right now because so many companies throw them into the fire and then are like, what, you don't want to be in the fire. It's like, yeah. well, do I want to be in the fire? Like it's, it's a really stressful kind of like disengaged impersonal experience. So kudos to you. I mean, as the VP being this busy and still saying, Hey, I'm doing first rounds. I'm going to make that first impression and, and make sure that they get a good sense of us. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I'm doing a reasonable job at it. There's probably plenty of room for improvement. So humble. <laughs> and you, um, I wanted to touch on this just cause I thought of it earlier. I know you guys have, um, three primary locations in um, Austin, Boston, and San Fran. 
Mm-hmm. Um, being in Boston without an office, I was laughing when you were talking about Ikea. Um, when do you see that office coming into play or do you think you will have to build the desks? <laughs> um, I, do I think I'll have to build the desks? I will build something. I promise you that, right? Whether it's a chair or a desk. Um, so I think that, you know, uh, on the same topic, you know, I've started talking to the team here in Boston about it because, listen, I'm like a, I'm a social person. And I think that in, I think work, frankly, is like, it's about the relationships you build with people. And it's not that it's impossible to do that remotely. It's not right. It's just like a slightly more challenging, but I also recognize that people are not super excited about like five days a week back in the office kind of thing. Like we're we're seeing a lot of, a lot of pushback here. Right. Um, So I'm trying to figure out with the, with the team that we, that we have in place today um, here, what works for the team and like what location works for the team and um, what cadence works with some direction for me. Like, I don't want it to be like once a month because then like, why well, get an office? Um, but I think we'll probably start with some like shared workspace um, so that we, we, we figure out what works well for us before we, before we like jump into me building desks. <laughs> well, and kudos to you again, considering their experience. Yeah. I mean, you have to, right. Like, um, uh, certainly you can't satisfy everybody's every need, right? Like, um, <clears throat> but it, it doesn't make sense to, to at least not ask the question. Now I, I will say this is very easy to say when you have like a, a small team and a relatively, you know, uh, so yeah, just like a small team, uh, you know, when you're trying to make, you know, return to work plans for, you know, organizations like, you know, Apple, who's in the news right now about this, very different problem. So I, I don't have a solution for them. Um, I do have a solution for, for our, our team here. Do you, would it make sense? I don't know if this will be relevant um, now, but with a timestamp in mind, what does your team look like right now? What's kind of the breakdown of developers? Yeah. So um, our team is growing. So we have like, uh, let's see, we have three or four backend engineers on the team, uh, three front-end engineers and ops uh, engineer. Um, and when I say this, I, 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 my goal is always to desire like smart people um, and who want to solve problems. So like that's where people are focused today, right? The goal is not to hire someone as a front-end engineer and be like, that's all you can do for the remainder of your time here. Um, the goal is to like hire people that are interested in, in solving problems and have the aptitude to do that. And then try to find opportunity as even as their uh, desires change over time. Um, so, um, so, you know, that's the team today. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're aggressively hiring some more folks. And I think again, um, probably across that entire spectrum, um, I'd like to, um, I also like to have folks that have like shared interests. Like I, I really like, um, finding engineers who have some interest in like the DevOps world, because, um, I'm a, I'm a big, I don't like the idea of like committing code and then, you know, throwing it over the fence for somebody else to deploy it. Um, now that doesn't mean they have to have expertise in this space. Interest is enough for me, right? Cause we have skilled folks who can, you know, help build their expertise in the space, but interest is, is, is always uh, the important part in my book. So, um, so I think we'll add, you know, on the op side, 
on the back end and front end side as well. Um, and then I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to, uh, better serve my team by hiring somebody who, uh, you know, can lead them on a more day-to-day basis, uh, with a little bit, uh, more focus than I have right now, just because there's a lot of other, um, areas of the business that I'm involved with that like my calendar is disgusting. So, um, so I'm, you know, I'm cognizant of that, but I'm, but I'm really focused on trying to find someone who, who will fit well with the team. Um, and the team will change the dynamic of it will change over time, but like, it's really important to, to find somebody who's going to fit well with the team. And if, if that takes a little bit longer, I think it's worth the investment. Definitely. Because that's the person that's going to scale and going to be essentially your buffer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you go through just real quick the tech stack that you guys have? I feel like there's some agnostic components, like you're mentioning, it's not like a black and white skill set, but just even what the um, code base looks like right now. Sure. Yeah. So, so um, <clears throat> all of our backend stuff for the most part is written in Go, um, which is new to me. I, I don't have a ton of Go experience um, from my engineering days, but it's definitely something of interest. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And with that being said, we, we don't, um, uh, ne- if people are interested, but don't have go experience, still talk to us because, um, we've hired a few people that don't have any go experience and we just, you know, again, aptitude is what is what matters, right? Like the desire to learn something will, will help you figure it out. Um, so go back and um, we're running everything in GCP. Uh, so we use, you know, everything's in Kubernetes. Um, and, you know, we have some things like Redis, Postgres backend. Um, we're going to be, we're going to be doing some things with like um, uh, Kafka uh, fairly soon. Um, <clears throat> that will be interesting. I'm probably going to try to hire somebody with some experience around that. Um just because that can be a little bit of a beast. Um, and then on the front end, we are React with uh, the React library, but in Next.js framework. Um, and uh, I can't think of anything else that's like... What about on the dev? Oh, you mentioned Kubernetes. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and Google Cloud Platform. Um, so like all, all tools and services within there. So, um, but again... Um, you know, we have folks that, uh, somebody who came from AWS, right? Like, I don't yeah, know. no, I think it's really... a selling point that they can learn something new versus having to be like a cookie cutter version of, of what's going to fit. Yeah. And the reality is like, let's, you know, be honest with each other. It, it, it's, it's learning something a little bit new, but like at most every service that's in AWS, there's the equivalent service in GCP and like programming languages are like, you know, the principles are the same, the syntax is different. So it's like, once you kind of figure that out, it's like, it's great to be able to learn something new and it, it's good for them. And it's, it's great to, you know, add that to your resume. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's, it's not like, it shouldn't be as scary of a lift as I think some people think it is right. Yeah. You're not gonna be perfect at it, but like, that's why you have code reviews and that's why you have teammates to ask questions. Right. So yeah, it balances out. Um, well, I think you did a great job mentioning to our team in the past that staff and principal, it's like your staff and principal at your level generally, and then however that gets applied to the technologies, obviously you're still a 10 year, 15 year, you know, developer at that point. So you can, yeah. you've learned enough things along the way. Yeah. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you, and you can share whatever you're comfortable with, but I feel like there are some really exciting things going on. Um, with Outdoorsy and their platforms? I don't know, from a timing standpoint, how we might be looking for the future or something that may entice 
people just to understand about like the next couple of years and how things are going to look and why timing is so important? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not going to go into the, out to, into the, um, we'll call it the, the marketplace side because I don't actually know what I can share there. Um, but what I can tell you is, you know, on the, on the Romley side, on the insurance space, um, you know, we are, <clears throat> we have a lot of interesting stuff happening around what I just talked about, which is like the owner's policy. Um, but we also have some partners, um, that we use kind of SaaS partners that, um, they're great partners, but some of what they do is I, I, I would consider like IP that, that is valuable for us. So, you know, looking into, uh, 2022, I'm starting to kind of budget and plan around, um, bringing some of that technology in house and building it from the ground up. Uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting, problems to solve there from like a, how quickly can you do something with computers? Um, like rating engines, right. To rate a policy, like that stuff has to be like really fast. Um, and there's interesting things there on the scale side from, um, you know, <clears throat> when we build this policy, we have, we have sales team ourselves, but we're also, you know, we will look to potentially enable other folks to sell our, our insurance product. Um, like if, if you know anything about it in the insurance world, if you look at like the zebra, right. Um, as an example, they're an agent, right. They sell other people's policies. So this is a pretty standard practice um, in the business and we'll probably engage with, you know, other, other agencies to sell our product. And um, if you know anything about the insurance space and you've ever seen um, the tools that those folks are given to use, uh, it's it's pretty bad, right? Uh, the bar is fairly low here um, as to how to make things better. Um, but my my aim is to kind of like really, really raise that bar and build something like super first class. And um, I think there's a lot of really interesting technical challenges in there, as well as just like, you know, if you're into delighting customers, it, probably isn't going to be that hard from that perspective, but like, um, <clears throat> but I, I'd really like to, to do a good job uh, on that. So, uh, so I think, you know, growth, there's in an, there's like a ton of avenues to go down. Um, and I think, you know, for us right now, a lot of it is around um, getting the product that we're building out the door, scaling that product, and then looking a little bit further, you know, um, through our telescope and, and, you know, trying to figure out the, the, the right strategic next thing to do, but there's like, there's like 10 of them. Right. And I'm not going to do 10 of them. So I need to figure out like the two and, uh, those chats are happening now. Is there anything else about Romley or outdoorsy that you'd like to share that we didn't uh, cover or ask about? Um, probably, but I don't, I don't, like no, like I, probably when we hang up, I'll be like, Oh, I should have said that. Um, I would, I would say this, right. Like, um, you know, we're the overall organization is growing significantly. Um, and there's an enormous amount of like just really interesting people to, uh, to, to work with. Um, and I would say that like, there's a, there's a serious passion around <clears throat> um, the outdoors within the organization, which makes sense. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty fun um, to be part of, even if you're not like super outdoorsy, you, you get 
like you get like into it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm like looking up, I'm like, wait, what? You know, and my wife is like super excited to, to like, you know, she's always wanted to go camping and I'm like, that ah, sounds like a lot of work. So like I try to find something else, but now I'm like, oh, let's do it. Let's go. Like, you know, Ryan, isn't there a perk for you as employees? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great call. So uh, again, don't quote me on this. I think I'm right, but I think twice a year you can rent um, uh, an RV on the platform and the company pays for it. So you can basically go on a vacation twice a year for free. Um, and as long as you pay for your campground or wherever you're going to take the RV. So, um, so that's a pretty good one. Uh, but in general, like there's, there's, you know, we, we see overall, even on the insurance side, as well as the marketplace side, you know, um, RVs are places to start, but we're, we want to build an outdoor business. Right. And we want to be, you know, we, we want to, um, connect your entire journey. Right. So that it is, easy and you can actually enjoy it. It's not stressful. Right. Um, so those are the goals. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, uh, coming on today, Ryan. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Thanks again. Today's episode was brought to you by Proven Recruiting. As an agency, Proven has helped thousands of technology professionals find new opportunities at exciting companies across the United States. They focus on the quality over quantity approach in terms of building lasting relationships with both their candidates and clients. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe for more insights where we bring job posts to life.